Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by ironcompany.com. So last week, we discussed troubleshooting the squat and deadlift. Well, it turned out to be primarily the squat. So we're going to get into some more deadlift uh, information today with the coaches. Uh, we're going to pick their brains on all sorts of stuff from strategies, techniques, and tactics to tools to all kinds of different stuff. So Stay tuned in here. There's a lot of interesting stuff that we're going to get to. So, um, Marty, let me ask you, where do you want to start with this? Oh, I don't know. Because uh, you, you always know. have your – if I start somewhere, you'll say, no, let's start over here, right? <laughs> no, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stacy said people are getting – Pull up of my stuff, so she said you better act nicer. So I'm going to try to act nicer. Uh, I can tell you this: I've been deadlifting. I did the math the other day since 1964. Okay, and I have studied it. I think technically it's. Oh, no, I'm not talking the Olympic lifts. I'm talking of you know standard strength lift. I think it's the most technically difficult lift. There's something about you only get the concentric, right? With with the uh, squat and the bench press, you get a rolling start, right? Yeah. You get that you get that uh, eccentric boom, and then you hit the concentric. Well, with the deadlift, you don't get that. So you got to start from a dead stop. Uh, Jim, you're an expert sumo guy. I, you know when we break people into uh, deadlifting, we, I always start them with sumo because we try to position it as, look, we spend a lot of time building up really strong legs, right, with our highly archetypical squat strategy. So now we want to take that leg strength that we built and we want to um, get it to help out in the deadlift. I don't get guys who throw away their legs in deadlifting. They go, I don't need legs. You just need the hip hinge. Start the high hip position, both break the bar from the floor with the hip hinge. And it's like, well, why would you throw away your most powerful muscles? So we break the bar from the floor with our powerhouse legs because we got them. <clears throat> then we keep the hip hinge in reserve. When the bar hits the knees, boom, that's when we fire that hip hinge. Mm -hmm. Jimmy um, is, you know, absolute stylistic sumo perfection. So why don't I just you know, toss the ball to him and let him talk about the sumo? Because I think it's the entry level deadlift, don't you, Jim? Yeah, I mean, it's it's easier to learn, I think, and easier. Oh, well, that's easier important to keep your back flat. You know, yeah. I think it's easier to keep your back flat than sumo. I switched to sumo because I screwed my back up doing conventionals wrong. With two, I didn't have a, I was just experimenting. I, you know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have any coaches around me. So, and all through college, we squatted, we benched, we did overhead press, we didn't deadlift. So when I decided I wanted did to you, start deadlift. Did you, did, you, did you power clean? They did some cleans, but it was, nobody really knew what they were doing, you know, right. so everybody kept it really light. Bill, so Star, Bill, Bill Starr also dropped the deadlift in favor of the power clean in right. um, the strongest uh, what's the Wizzy's football book? The Strongest Survive? Strong Shall Survive. Was that, that was his football book, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But really, that, everything, but yeah. In that, he, he dropped the deadlift and said, do the power clean instead. Yeah. So I know that that was popular amongst the athletic set. Yeah, I Jim, mean. What, Jim, my, what my, were you doing? 
Let me ask you, what were you doing wrong in the convention? Yeah, my stance was too wide. Yep. Okay, yeah. so it was halfway between a sumo and a conventional. Yep. And then I had my hands outside my thighs with a wide stance. So it oh, was yeah. a lot of low back. Also, and your I shoulder. I also, I, I didn't, I've never, never seen it, but I guarantee you, your shoulders were way in front of the bar when you launched. Yeah, and I wasn't, I didn't know how to take the slack out, which we'll talk about. And I wasn't sitting back enough. And you know, pop again. So I, I took a week off, drank a lot of Jim Beam. I remember exactly what I was, I was coaching high school in Florida and, you know, I was staggering around and I was like, well, I'm going to deadlift. So I had a training partner at the time that was just coming in. Uh, it was actually his first workout with me. And I was like, can you teach me how to sumo? And he said, yeah, man, he was a good sumo. And it felt natural right away. Now I'm not a super wide guy. It's more like how Ed used to deadlift. the sort yeah. of hybrid stance. Because what you have to do with that is find the stance. So everybody's like, oh, the wider, the better. Yeah. No. If you don't bring power out of being wider, you can't do it. That's not you know, true. You have to find the stance where you can still get the most power and have the shortest range of motion. Hey, you know, the best description I ever heard of the, the cone style sumo, one, a kid uh, looked at it and said, oh, they said, that's gorilla style. It is. I said, yeah, that's right. It looks like a like a, like a silverback gorilla, you know, yeah. Yeah. Bent, bent down. But Ed's shoulders are directly over the bar. His shins are vertical. His back is tight, as upright as possible. And But again, those are thousand-pound legs. Right. Right. Well, you know, I tell this story, and I actually either called Marty or emailed Marty right after this happened. I had back surgery. And decided I was I would squat and not deadlift. I had to choose between the two while I was, you know, just sort of getting it back. And so I chose to squat. And after a couple months, I went to deadlift, pulled 605 first day. And I hadn't gone over, you know, 400 in months and months and months. It's because I kept my legs very strong. And the way we right. teach it, when I'm down at the bar, I'm thinking, I'm crushing the floor with my heels, my calves, my hands, that all of that yep. is, is where I'm thinking the pressure is going to be. It's real important to think about where your body weight's going to be and where you're putting the pressure. And by doing that, my quads get <coughs> a lot of activation. Oh, the quads, the quads. Yeah, from the squats. And then, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't even think about my back at all. I'm thinking about no. squatting this weight from the bottom, really, you yeah. know, and crushing the floor. And if he, if he moves it four inches, he can lock it out. I always just get it to my knees, 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 get it to my knees. That's all I'm yep. thinking. Yep. Get it to my knees and then push. And all you're doing then is squeezing your glutes and pushing through. Yeah. You know? um, and if you can't get it to your knees, you've got to go back and increase your squat. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what people don't do. It's no. definitely not more deadlifting. Because no. all it does is crush your recovery, yeah. but it's more squatting. That's right. Yeah. You need more leg power. If you're using our technique, which is, um, I don't know, whatever they call it. I call it world championship, world record holder technique. Because most of the guys we have the world records use some version of this technique. And basically yeah. is you launch, you launch a deadlift when your shoulders are over the bar and you try never to let your shoulders get in front of the bar. Occasionally, yes, you will see that. But I think a mistake that a lot of elite coaches and trainers make is they, they look at a man's like world record lift 
in a world championship, yeah. that's not necessarily the way we train. I mean, I've won world master championships and I've set national records. And I can tell you that don't look at my 722. Right. Uh, look at the five reps with six, whatever, 70 that I did, or the, you know, look at that set. That's a better representation because you might have to break your perfect little technique yeah, down a attempt. little bit yes, to, exactly. to squeeze through. And it's like, God, please don't, don't. And I had a very famous guy um, tell me one time, he looked at Brad, he says, oh, we use Brad Gillingham's technique as our, benchmark and I and I brought Brad was there and I brought Brad over said Brad look at this he said oh don't use that <laughs> he said I had he said I had to hump it a bit that day <laughs> oh yeah has, right. has Brad ever done sumo no 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 but I'm just saying that the point be, the point being that a lot of a lot of people base their uh, benchmark technique as they look at some guy setting a world record yeah and really, that's not the best place to look because, yeah. like I said, you might have to hump it a bit or break it a bit to get that extra five to eight pounds, yep. you know, pull that thing through. Uh, but we start with um, sumo, but all our guys are conventional pullers. All, all the Maryland guys, uh, I can't think of anybody that pulled sumo in Maryland coming up. I mean, we had some good guys. We had, uh, well... The 700 Club, you had Cassidy, you had Mark Dimiduk, IPF World Champion. <clears throat> Certainly you had Chalet, World Record Holder, you had Kirk, you had uh, uh, Graham Bartholomew, 700. You had Mark Chalet's brother, Ray, <laughs> and he didn't even lift. Oh, my God. Now, Marty, your guys, are, your guys are doing conventional. Yeah, right. yeah, you, yeah. You start them. You start them with sumo. It, we they, do. They, we do now. We do now. Like we okay. introduce people new to new to our strategy. We said, "No, you, yeah," because that's the connection between the squat and the deadlift. So, but do you encourage them to stay with to go back to conventional and not continue with with sumo, well, or they, I, they I, just do what they want? I don't know, Jim. I think it's what a sixty forty split, or maybe seventy. Yeah, if I'm if I'm training athletes, we go six yeah. weeks sumo, six weeks conventional. Yeah. Weeks okay. Weeks. Yeah. And and, yeah. and 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 then it depends on them as to which they prefer. And it doesn't yeah. matter. Six to one half doesn't. It? There's no right answer. So Jim, Jim, you got your back surgery. You came back. You started with sumo to recover. Now, excuse me, JP. Let me. I'd hate to interrupt, but I must tell one little story about Jim and the back surgery. Okay, so he is walking around in pain, swigging whiskey, and then the doctor refused to give him any kind of. He said, "That's all right. I'll just drink a bottle of this every day." And, and he said, and he said, I'm going to pull 700 one more time because if this surgery doesn't go right, I'll never get a chance to do it again. I'm like on the other end of the phone, I'm going, I don't think that sounds like a good idea. Uh, Jim, you're going in for major back surgery and you're telling me you're determined to pull 700 on an injured back so badly that it requires surgery. And he goes, yeah, that's essentially correct. And I'm, 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 I, I, and you know what? He did it. 
Yeah, it's already messed up enough. <laughs> oh, but let me ask you, what was wrong with your he back? He did it! He did what? it! That's crazy! Uh, I had a disc that basically broke off. So oh, it I, actually broke, huh? In my spine. And, <laughs> Ooh. So were you oh, having major yeah. nerve pain? Oh, you don't even know, man. I, you know, it was just, it changes you as a person. I was just, it was, it was all, I would, I would. Well, but I mean, this is like within the last three years, right? It's three to five, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this uh, is recent history. This isn't something that happened in 1982. No. How, do you, how did you actually break the disc? Was it from deadlifting? Well, initially, I think I, it started pushing through when I was in college and I was doing those stiff legged deadlifts. So it, uh, yeah. Yeah. Reach out. At the Been bottom. there, done that. Should, yeah. should, you, should you tell that horror story real quick as a kind of a yeah, was, message as to what not to do? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, a case where. You have people coaching who, you know, in the old days in a football team, even in college, it was like, who wants to be the strength coach? And somebody in the room who lifted a little bit would raise their hand and, okay, you got it. So the technique, you know, the technical aspects of it weren't in there. I mean, what's funny is we'll spend an hour talking about the squat like last week and we still weren't done. Right. Where, you know, in college it was like, okay, just, you know, go ahead and squat and, you know, put your feet shoulder width and, or deadlift and do that. You know, it just wasn't. It just wasn't as technical, but so we weren't doing conventional deads. We were doing a lot of stiff legs for the hamstrings. I was standing on the bench, 325. And, you know, I was usually coming down to my instep or whatever. And he was like, oh, at the bottom, reach way out, get oh, that yeah. stretch in your hamstrings. Oh. Yeah. And, you know, everybody says this when they blow a disc. It's sound, it, you feel like people can hear it. Yeah. And I, it sounded like it, I could hear it. It was inside, but it, and uh, I was like, yeah, now I've screwed my back up. And so, it, you know, it just, it, it made me want to be a coach, actually, honestly, being around crappy coaches. Because I was did he like, go, did he go, shake it off, no pain, no gain, you don't want it bad enough? <laughs> no, nobody said that to me. I would have throttled his ass. But, <laughs> did uh, you have to, so, yeah, wow. When was that? Oh, geez, 87. Mm -hmm. And then over the years, I got smarter, but, just over the long haul of just constantly, you know, pounding it and pounding it and pounding it. It, uh, it sort of got, got a lot worse. And, and I would get the sciatica, take a bunch of drugs, rest it, and it would go away. And then one time it just stopped going away. And I had seven, seven epidurals. And so I go to the doctor and, you know, he does his little circuit training in the morning and all that. So he thought he knew something. And he's like, you know, we're always talking about lifting. And he's like, I was like, Doc, just give me one more shot yeah. and another, you know, 50 oxys and like, <laughs> no more drugs and no more shots. You got to go see, you know, Dr. Smith or whatever. So I did. It was immediate relief, immediate, immediate. And I think I actually pulled 700 later after that one more time. So, yeah. so what did they actually do? Go in and, and uh, just fish out the part that was broken off and kind of trim up the rest a little bit? Yes, trimmed it up. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you come back from that. So you, you go with sumo. So how did sumo end up doing for you? How'd you like it? How did it aid in your recovery? Well, right away it helped, but I actually ended up going back and, you know, I, I just have these things in my head sometimes. So I was like, well, if convention, conventional puts the most stress on your back, why don't you defeat that MF or and, and deadlift 700 and do it more. So I actually yeah. did that, but yeah. Back conventional. Yeah, conventional. Yeah. But and, and the one thing I do, I mean, I like a lot of things about conventional, but conventional doesn't take me much time to warm up at all. With the sumo, my adductors, 
know, I got to do more warm-up sets, which I dislike intensely. And, uh, you know, it just takes a while to get your adductors warmed up and get everything stable and all that. Where really, I can drop the bar off my back with 405 and just go right into the conventional. You know? that's, what, that's what we used to do. It's so similar, you know. Yeah, and it's just like, and, and we would just, a lot of times, we would just single up to the top set of whatever it was, three, five, you know, whatever. But we'd be just like, soon, you know, it's, it's time to deadlift, okay, uh, whatever, four or five for one, four ninety-five for one, five eighty-five, you know, five for one, and then the top set, whatever, six fifty-five for three, and you know, and then you're done. Right? Tell you, we and, and you're, you're done all the deadlifting for the week, and you and yeah. basically you did one set of three that took I don't know fifteen seconds, ten seconds. When I was at my strongest, my my last meet where I did the eight twenty and seven forty deadlift, I would pull once a week a single or a double, and that was it. Yeah, that was, sure. it. That was it. I'd put on like seven twenty yeah. to a double, boom, that was it. Yeah, so, yeah. that's chalet yeah. stuff. Yeah, because I was squatting and I was yeah. a lot of volume. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and the squat and the deadlift, done the way that we do them, uses a lot of the same muscles. You yeah. use a, a, the use the lower back. You, you yeah. use the abs. You use the glutes. You use the upper thighs for sure. What else? Um, yeah, you just use a lot of the same muscles, and there's no way you're going to be like squatting and deadlifting. Right. you know, four times a week or whatever is the current hip thing to do. And I mean, you can do that, but you have to make it across the finish line. So you have to modulate the intensity. Yeah. I don't know anybody who's squatting seven, seven fifty eight or more who's deadlifted more than once a week or once every 10 days. Yeah. I don't know how it's done. Yeah. How close, um, uh, how close in weight should your, your squat be versus your deadlift? Cause they're, they're uh, usually pretty close. Uh, that's a good that's a good question jp but you know what you'd be surprised there's a lot of variance depending uh, this is where body proportion comes in mm-hmm. like yes like exactly I'm, I'm a natural squatter but i'm i'm i have short legs i have i have long um my shins are long but my femurs are short right so i'm a very good squatter but uh you know, it depends on your body type. Uh, I have friends that have their long legs, and the squat for them is horrible. But they're yeah. great. They're great conventional deadlifters. Yeah, yeah. Right. They can just naturally get in that start. That that you want to get into a coiled start position in conventional deadlift. And some guys can just naturally get just get into that thing. It's like, yep, I feel that, baby. I right, just push off the heels, break that thing up, man. It's like, bang. Yeah. And yeah, there's some guys that just naturally. There's some now, guys Kirk, that are naturally good sumo deadlifters too. Yeah. Now Kirk was a, a naturally good squatter. His yes. deadlift was his deadlift was what 150 pounds behind his squat. Yeah, but you got to take into account uh, the fact that equipment in the squat helps you in the deadlift. It doesn't, except the belt. You know yeah, you so have. I did, when I did 820 in a meet, and I'm wearing a suit and wraps. And I deadlift to 740. My deadlift is actually pretty close, or slightly more than a roll squat. Well, with nothing on. If you ain't getting 140 pounds out of your equipment, yeah, you're not really doing it. Um, that's nothing, right? So uh, again, yeah, you, it's it's a tough thing because if you try to compare geared lifting, JP, yeah, it really 
pollutes the and dilutes the equation because some guys are getting so much, you know, some guys are getting 50% out of their gear. Right. It's hard to imagine, like, you know, a guy without a bench shirt can bench 700 and he puts a bench shirt on and can bench 1100. <laughs> I'm surprised there's been nothing invented for the, uh, the deadlift. Like a deadlift suit or something. Well, I know they tried that. They tried that. They tried that. It never worked. But now what they're doing is they're making whippy bars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ex- go into that. Explain that. Because that's important. Oh, well, well, it's a longer you, bar. Yeah. It's more flexible. So the weight yeah. doesn't the ground as far. Yeah, you get a rolling start. So, so b- before the last plate leaves the floor, the bar is up to your bottom of your knees. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Now, in the old days at the IPF World Championship, they took the squat bar and they put it on the floor. There's your damn deadlift bar, boys. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it was and it was stiff as a board. And now in training, Kirk uh, pulled 820, 825 and tripled 800. But the problem was, is that in competition, the, yeah. those thousand pound squats just knocked the tar out of his deadlift. Right. Just now, this is interesting. So 10 years after he retired, I talked him into going into a raw meet in Nevada, Laughlin, Nevada. The guy said, hey, I'll pay the way. Kirk, come out and lift raw. Kirk was 10 years retired. I think he was, I don't know, 42 (laughs) years old. Is that, wait a minute, is that the one you said, don't train at all for this, just enter? No, 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 that was after, that, <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that was after his first retirement. This is one, this was 10 years down the road, and, yeah. and he, he went out and he squatted, weighing two, 242, actually weighed 239, he squatted 826, benched, I don't know, 478, and deadlifted 777 which was actually uh, six pounds more than he did in competition as a 275er. Oh. Ah, but you know what the difference was? Hmm. He, only had eight, he only had 826 on his back. He didn't have 1,000 pounds on his back. Oh, yeah. Before, right? So uh, that was, you know, and, and anytime I see these deadlift-only records, I'm like, yeah, well, I wonder how much you would do if you had to have 900 pounds in your back before you did that. Same with the bench, man. Oh, the bench is going insane. All these single lift competitions. Now they're in, they call it, I talked to Eddie about it, Eddie Cohn. It's just, oh, they call it pro, and they allow straps and hitching. Doesn't count. <laughs> and the bendy bar it doesn't freaking count no it doesn't count it's it's sacri- it's sacrilege and then they compare that and they go all-time deadlift record and they go well okay you but you might uh, it's i don't know it's just clown stuff to me There's what were no- those bars let me ask you what were when you were competing marty they were probably using what you guys probably using a lot of york bars and things like that right yeah, texas power bars and yeah Alico. it was yeah Alico yeah. was i think Alico was the way ipf yeah. so there were two two four bars Alico and what was the other one ivanka ivanka right those were the mm-hmm. two like classy foreign yeah and yeah, they have bars. those. Oh, they have those at the IPF championships, and that was very cool. Yeah, I used to check. Alico, if that bar had that diamond rough knurling, I love. Uh, 
Oh, I, know. I do. I like that aggressive knurling. Yes. I like to know it's there. I like to hold on to it. It's just like a, it's like a cheese grater. Yes. Um, remember some, that's those samples. Guy, I hey, hey, wait, some guy, <laughs> some guy gave Eddie Cohn a set as a gift. I don't know if it was a weight set. Gave him a, the, the Alico, oh. whatever, 400 kilo, whatever. I mean, you know, the whole thing, thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what he had at quads. It was so cool. Sweden is supposed, you know, where Alico's made. There's for some reason they're supposed to have the absolute best steel for making these bars. Great women, great cars, and great steel. Yeah. Um, but those bars must have been stiff as hell back in your day. I mean, there was oh, probably yeah, no that's right. at all, right? No, you no, you didn't know any if, different. Bro. Give it, give us for sissies. Yeah, give us for sissies. Whip is for sissies. Give is for sissies. Oh. <laughs> but they oh, were. Um, oh, did you tear up your hands and that grating gets too hard for your little American well, hands? That, you should you know, go to the back of the back. Oh, that is that is the trend now. The past few years, we've been seeing the um, the knurling on these bars get lighter and lighter I hate and that. lighter. That's because, mm, I hate That's that. A, that's an easier sale. You can't you can't hold on to it though. I that mean, Kirk if you bar you sell is great. <clears throat> that Kirk bar. It was funny, Jim. <laughs> and you, I don't know if you saw it, Jim, but I I sent Kirk a few <laughs> different pieces of uh, of steel oh, that had been knurled. And this one aggressive knurling that we sent him, like, what what did the guys say, Marty? They said, "Oh my God, no! Don't make that one," because uh, the one I sent Kirk, was like, Kirk crazy. loved it. Kirk loved it. Everyone else, I mean, they were ripping. I mean, it was horrible. There was blood all over the platform, right? And that would have, like, yeah. I, I said, Kirk, we got to, you, you know. You would have had, you would have had lawsuits over that one. I said, we got to ease up on the knurling a little bit. Everybody's going like, to. He's like, he's like, what? Why? You all nobody's going to have neck skin left. You're all sissies. <laughs> what? That's wrong with this one. <laughs> I know, but. Everybody be pissed off and wanting to send their bars back because they're like half dead after they squatted. I uh, know it's just that blood is not cool, uh, you know. <laughs> with weight progressive resistance training, you know, it should not be an integral part of training. Bleeding. Anyway, we came up with a. It was an aggressive neural, but it wasn't <laughs> a. I'm gonna kill you type neural. No, it wasn't. So it, it turned out to be good, but um, very sensible. Now, in the whippy bars, you're probably getting about, what would you say, about two or three inches of movement before the, the weights actually break the ground? Well, I think more than that, when you're really loaded up, if you've got 1,000 pounds on a bar, I mean, you get a pretty good yeah. pull going. But let's get back to the deadlift, because we should talk some training, too, and talk some strategies. You know? Yeah, I let's talk it, strategies, variants, yeah, 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 all yeah, kinds yeah. of stuff, yeah. Sets, sets and reps, nuts and bolts, right, Jim? Yeah, I mean... I've always been in, you got to lay the foundation with heavy fives on that, man. Oh, yeah. Heavy fives on a deadlift and no yeah. more, you know. Now, I've done stuff like, let me see how many times I can do 515 and stuff like that. But as a as a whole with the training, the base, the foundation of the pyramid is, you know, fives, fives, fives with that deadlift. And, you know, yeah. I, on the squat, you know, I would do multiple sets. But on the deadlift, I would usually just work up to one one heavy set, which I know you love, Marty. 
But, uh, but one but, heavy set of five, right? Yeah, one heavy set of five. And then, you know, as I got right. close to me, like I said, I'd be doing doubles and singles. But Yeah, you drop you know, it if, you're, if you're peaking, right? 65 for five, 585, you know. That, yeah, yeah, that's you're pushing your five. Up. Push your five up, push your five up, push your five up. How In much weight? How much weight each week are you trying to go up? Five pounds, 10 well, pounds? Well, when I got decently strong, I could go up 20, you know. Ooh. Every week? Yeah, but. You're not, not normal, Jim. Well, not so I know it's a different mindset when he's you're not. He's not doing that for three years in, in a row. Oh, no, mean, no, this is like my, my last two or three training cycles <laughs> when I was, you know, already deadlifting 700. So, um, you know, I could do I could do that. But if if, if also if you're doing um, in addition to doing multiple sets in the squat, right? You're doing. Are you doing other leg stuff? No, zero. I did leg curls like one time, and I was like, "Why the hell am I doing this?" Right. And, All right. Uh, so okay, but but still, you're doing multiple sets in the squat. You're hitting it hard in the yeah, squat. Yeah, something like I remember I had to do five sets of six at six ten. Yeah. So, I was sore for like a week and a half after that, man. So all I was doing was pulling. Yeah. Double. Yeah. Yeah. What What was your rep speed on these? Uh, on the deadlift? Yeah. Oh man, I'm, you try to. After you take the slack out, I'm trying to fucking. Oops. I'm trying. Excuse me. I'm trying You're to rip fired. that bar off the ground and stand up as fast as I freaking can. I used to say. That's to right. I told you that I used to say rip it, rip it, because I want all yeah. my biceps to rip off my body. I want my shoulders to rip off. Right, I, want, right. I want such speed. I have a film of Kirk somewhere when he was training for that raw meat, and it's got his deadlifts, and it looks like smoke is coming off the bar. Do you know why, Jimmy? Well, because he wanted to get it before he lost his grip. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You guys laugh, but that is exa- oh, that, that was right. exa- that was exactly our strategy. Yeah. Is yeah. he had no grip. If there was any hesitation he would lose it yeah so it's like so it was like i told him i said kirk we got to move this thing from the floor to lockout asap yeah and he was like oh i get that and so that's what we concentrated on right he was like get it up as quick as possible god give me the signal he lost john cook's 2100 pound World total record of 242 stood for 13 years before Eddie Cohn finally broke it. At the 10-year mark, Kirk pulled the 800-pound deadlift that would have beat Cuck's total record, stacked it up, down. Two to one, they turned it down oh. because two of the guys, two of the guys said, Oh, he lost his grip at the lockout. He lost his grip at the lockout. And we're like, you know what? We're going to find you guys in the alley. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, it, it was just, anyway. So the point being is that, oh, now, my pet peeve, of course, and always and forever has been, I was raised that you never dropped a deadlift rep. Mm-hmm. First off, you were respecting the training facility that you were in. And a lot of times you're upstairs or something, weren't you, Marty? Right. Uh, yeah. If your parents live upstairs, right? <laughs> if you have an if you have an auto parts dealership underneath <laughs> your gym, like right? If you're training at Hugh Cassidy's basement. <laughs> And Eva and Danny are playing surreal music one floor above you. Mm. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna blow that session. 
it's like, oh, why don't you just stamp on a little child's dreams? You know, no, no, no. That thought, but no, you didn't do that. That was rude. Now it's standard operating procedure. Every, talk about that, every Dumbo that, that can pull 405 for five makes a big deal out of dropping all five reps. I, I believe it's an intention gathering device. But talk about how important the negative is, and everybody seems to be throwing away the negative. Uh, Why would you do that? I don't know. Would we throw it away in the squat? It's 50% it of the lift, right? The bench press? No, that's where the muscle building control coiled strength comes from is the negative. We make, uh, we worship the negative. <laughs> so Jim, when, when your, your rep speed was explosive, yeah, you're what, about your, what about your negative? How did you do that? Well, I would reset on all my deadlifts. So I would do it two ways. So before a meet, I pulled everything from a dead stop. So I, it was going down pretty fast. I wasn't dry. I wouldn't, my hands never left the bar, um, but I would just set up again. Now off season, I would do touch and goes. Mm -hmm. And now what Marty, I don't know if Marty, Marty told me something similar and then I probably expounded on it was, uh, expanded on it was, you know, you want to act like there's hard boiled eggs on the ground and you're not allowed to crack them. <laughs> soft. Yeah. You've got a freaking it, yes. it's bar on the ground because that last little six inches of control is everything when you're doing yeah. that touch and go, you know. Uh, and then you want to turn it around as fast as you can. Interesting, interestingly enough, we had this thing at Penn that measured uh, your explosiveness, basically, and it's your ability to change direction quickly. And what we found is the deadlift, the touch and go deadlift, where, where you're turning it around as fast as you can. That's what we, we always said to the kids. That improved their explosiveness more than plyos and cleans. Wow. Uh, that phase uh, down to up was mm -hmm. very, uh, in your vertical jump, was very similar to the down to up in the deadlift. Hmm. And, and you know why that is? Why is that? Because a seasoned lifter, you follow the path of the bar. And the, the path of a descending bar is a straight line, mm -hmm. right? Because that's gravity at work. That's the most efficient, a straight line. So the smart lifter, you adhere to that. Stupid lifter makes the bar adhere to his out-of-position body. Right. So if your knees are forward, so all your leverages are off. So no, it's the straight up and down. And the deadlift is that, that straight up motion. Now, once it gets past the knees, then you can do that, that backwards pull thing. But going back to the original point, the five rep set is sort of the default position. In fact, I really don't, I don't know if I advise, if I would advise doing more than five reps to tell you the truth in the deadlift. Um, Jim Wright was a good friend of mine, Dr. Jim Wright. He was the, the head um, science editor of Flex Magazine for, I don't know, 15 years. <clears throat> Jim told me that the, Injuries, most of the injuries occurred in the deadlift because you can keep repping. The, the legs and the back are strong enough to keep repping, even though the upper back is fatigued. So the upper spine is at risk, but your lower body is still strong and can keep going. He said that's when a lot of the spinal compression injuries occur. Mm -hmm. Right because you can keep going because it's a uh, uh, part of your muscles are stronger than others. So um, 
And I don't have a lot of occasion to do more than five reps, to tell you the truth. I don't feel a burning desire to get really good at like, I don't know, 10 reps at the deadlifts. Yeah. That doesn't because sound. Then what are you, what are you working on now? I don't know. Uh, if you're going to yeah. be worried about hypertrophy and it's great for your lats, then why don't you do more sets and less reps? You know what I mean? Yeah. Of, of lower reps. You're, you're compromising your poundage so much that yeah. I, I really don't know that it's worth it's the, the most, effort. It's, it's the most beneficial exercise, but it's also the most dangerous. And if I think so. Let fatigue, you know, be the factor and not strength, you're going to get hurt. You know? So if you're doing high yes. reps, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you guys always talk about the, the five rep set and say that five reps is a good balance between, you know, uh, building muscle yeah, and yeah, gaining yeah. strength. So that seems to be a good number anyway, no matter what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, if you, let's say you're let's say you're doing it for muscle growth and strength, well, then that's when you do your bent over rows, your lat pulls, your chins, and all that, and keep the deadlift at five. Yeah, yeah. It's such an anabolic. It's 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 the greatest exercise in the world, man, because it it forces your body to grow. There's that shirt that Marty that they used to wear at Mac, grow or die, and and that's what the deadlift <laughs> is, man. It it's like. You know, and, and the great deadlift, the, 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 when Marty and I talk about this, you're going to surf New Jersey waves or you're going to surf Hawaii waves. The great deadlifters are surfing Hawaii waves, and they've refined that technique to the nth degree, right? They know one inch out in front, they're going to lose it, you know? Yep. Everything has to be perfect in order to, to have that deadlift. Uh, and, and you have that. Uh, your, your sumo exemplifies that. It's like, it's like even though he might do – a triple or a five it's like a bunch of singles yeah right that's what it appears and each rep is clean and distinct you know and it's a cookie cutter right oh, each rep is identical to its predecessor and it's identical to its successor and but that just comes from oh man how many how many deadlift sessions does that take right <laughs> right yeah. Right, but we always work on technical perfection. The technique is everything, yeah. especially in the deadlift. Yes. yes. Great, conven great conventional deadlifters. Um, you know, uh, technically, you've got to look at Lamar for sure. Right. He was the the, the king of all deadlifters. I think of all deadlifters. I don't know that. This is a guy who pulled six eighty eight weighing 130 pounds, you know, and it's like nobody's ever come within a country mile of that. And yet that was done in the seventies. Right. So, uh, but he also had beautiful technique. If you go back and you can go onto YouTube and you can get pictures of that lift, <clears throat> you'll see that the, the bar travels in a perfectly straight upward line and his body contours to that line perfectly and don't you think as far as the sumo goes that dan austin was was the dan was dan was dan was perfection was, uh, jp you got to watch him on on youtube or if they have it on there because it's it'll be like 700 he's weighing what marty 148 165 yeah 148 he's pulling 722 it is perfect every no single rep no well matter it, 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 it it has to be yeah. Or it or it stays glued to the floor. Yeah. Right. It's either with Dan, it was like 
if he got it moving an inch, it was history. Yeah. But he sometimes, I, you know, I don't think, I, and that's the other thing, I don't think I ever saw him miss a rep. I went to the Nationals when I was with Wagner, and he didn't miss any lifts. No. Yeah. I, I coached him at the World Championships in, in Oribro, Sweden in 1991 when he won Best Lifter, and I was his coach that day. Yeah, we talked about this before, but I met him when he was a strength coach at South Carolina. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, Dan Austin. Everybody else <laughs> wanted, to know, everybody wanted to know what the football team was doing and all that. And, you know, yeah. yeah. Like, hey, you have five minutes. I think, Jimmy, I think he pulled – he was a 165er then when he won best lifter at the Worlds. I believe he pulled 748, 165. I think that's what it was, something like that, yeah. And, and so I sat there and talked to him about his training and how he's lasted so long. And because, Marty, how – I mean, he's, our, he's my age, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, he said, well, in the offseason, I don't touch a bar. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I do Just, all dumbbell stuff. And, yeah, uh, yeah does variations on the squat and all that. And he said, and then when I start training the deadlift, I never touch the ground. All I think about is six inches from the ground and turn it around as fast as I can. And then it was continuous tension, continuous tension. That's what we do. Continuous tension. Isn't it it great? And and so I was like, oh, so I started doing that. And if you notice, you talk about muscle growth, Dorian does the same thing. Yeah. Dorian turns that around. Because think about the tension on the lats when you're turning that bar. Oh, yeah. You have to stop the bar, turn it around. You know, it's, and uh, you're so coiled. You're in the perfect concentric, explosive coiled position. You just stomp the accelerator on the floor and hit it, and it is the perfect up. The perfect concentric is preceded by the perfect eccentric. Right. Yes. How what fast? About other- what about other things like uh, deficits and things like that? Did you guys do that? Have you done yeah. different deadlifts, Marty? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How about you, Jimmy? I was a big rack deadlift guy. Um, ah, how did that go? First one over seven. Did it transfer? Uh, what's that? Did it transfer over? I think it almost was a mental thing. I think. Uh, what does that mean? By me doing 800 or more. 700 was like nothing in my head. Ah, oh, fuck me. You well, that's, man, yeah. In your hands. That's it real. It definitely contributed to my lockout because I would set the bar. When I would get up to that's the bar, too. I think it's right below my knees. And so all I was thinking about was hips, 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 hips. You know, push your hips through, push your hips through. Right. Uh, and I use straps on that. That's the only time I use the straps when I would do like an odd lift. Um, I tried standing. How many, how many reps? How many reps? Oh, singles, man. Okay, singles. Okay, cool. Maybe a double. Maybe a double once in a while. But uh, right, if you're feeling good, bounce it off the pins. Get a second one. Yeah, I I roll. I know Kirk did them standing on the plate. Cone did too. I just it always felt like crap to my back. But I think Kirk said it felt. I've seen him do 600 for five or six with. Yeah, standing on the standing on the gold hundred. Yeah, yeah. We'd lay the hundred, and these are the old hundreds, the skinny ones. And we'd lay one down, and in the off season, we'd you know we'd uh, mess around with standing on the because we were all narrow stance conventional deadlifters. So we'd stand on the hundred, and you know, man, that's way down there. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, it's just you know, it's just a, wow, you're really scrunched down. But again, what what is the the deal? 
And that was probably good for about what, three or four inches on the thickness of that plate? Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you think, Jim? I don't know. How thick is that plate? You know, I, what I think Kirk was, you guys are doing it to help your start. Is that what that was? Yeah, you, it, it makes the start easier. Yeah. If you can get down there. I had a guy 6'4 doing it one time. He was like, I can't get, he was all, looked like a spider. <laughs> We're not going to do this. So, Jimmy, did you use, uh, and did you ever get on a box? No. I, 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 you know, like I said, I tried a couple times. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Yeah. The, but, you know, the racks how I about, did. How about your athletes? Did you, did you put any of your guys on the box? No. No. So I'm, you know, like you got a guy who's 300 pounds and, and uh, his low back is always fired up. And so you want to, you get your squats in, you get your regular deadlifts in and stop. Now I would reduce the motion on, so we would do racks and stuff, but at a lighter, lighter weight because, you know, coming out of the bottom is when you're going to feel that low back. So during the season we would do, we would set the, maybe you're talking about this, put the weights up on blocks. Well, or are you talking about standing? Well, uh, yeah, well, we, we, all right. We're, you know, you, you do four to six weeks where on deadlift day you stand on the hunger. And, okay. you know, you jump in at, uh, you know, a low five rep set, I don't know, yeah. whatever, 315 for five, whatever. And then you try to drive that up, right? Yeah. Each week, boom, up, up, up. And then the idea is that if you drive up the, you know, standing on the hundred, when you go back to standing on the floor, right. you'll be a hell of a lot better, right? Right. right. So uh, the thing is, is does it transfer? Does it work? Is it worth it? Right. And different guys have different results. Yep. And I've and I tell you, I've got I've got some hesitation, you know. Like we've got a buddy, Don Barry, Donnie. <clears throat> we love Donnie, but he worked up to like four oh five for five standing on a hundred. Mm. Never transferred to the floor. Really? And, you know what I mean? It's like I can do four oh five for five standing on. I mean, and he, I'm looking at him. Every rep is clean. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking if he gets back on the floor, I don't know, Jim, I'm thinking 465, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. 475 maybe? Yeah. And he can't, I mean, he's struggling with 440. Mm. Right. So he's, so the, the takeaway is he's really good at deadlifting off a 100-pound plate. Right. <laughs> you got to make sure that, yeah, it transfers over, that's for sure. Yeah. Like the, rack, like, like the rack work and the heaves Cassidy has doing these gruesome, this is gruesome assistance workout. Yeah, we um, deadlifts and stiff leg deadlifts and he goes, hey, I've invented a new exercise. Oh, great. And this was heavy, like halfway between a high pull and a deadlift, right? And we had to strap up and we're exhausted and he's got to like, like trying to pull 315 and 365 up to our nipples right and it's like, oh, God, right and it's just like he called them heaves i love it h-e-a-v-e-s heaves them boys to do your heaves get your heaves and he said that they'll fill in the in-between spaces it's like okay, okay. Yeah, so he's a thinker, man. He's a smart. <laughs> yeah. Man. yeah, and again, it's like, did it did it work? I, you know, I don't know, man. And like the rack work, we did the rack work, but I don't know. Did it really? We never. 
we always wanted to like come off rack work and have our deadlift go up 50 pounds. Yeah. Right. Never. We never got that bump. Yeah. Well, what assistance? Off, off the plate. Off the plate. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Hey, I worked up to five and five for five. Hey, I should be able to do 600. Uh, no. <laughs> like Jim said, if it transfers mentally, then maybe it's worth it because, you know, it's a mental game too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I agree. If, you, if you're locking out 800, tying in 700 is going to feel lighter. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like that. And my big assistance was Ben over Rose. So oh, yeah. I would work up to that heavy single or double, and then I would do like five sets of three, uh, Straps or no straps, it depends. Each cycle I would do something different, but as heavy as I freaking can on those bent over rows. And I thought just that hanging of that heavy weight really helped my deadlift, really helped being in that position in deadlift where you got to push your hips through, you know, just being strong in that position. And I think it develops your grip. I think it develops your lats. You know, you get that isometric and the hamstrings. And um, you know, I was a huge bent over row guy. I would do a lot more sets of bent over rows than I would do of deadlifts. Now, would you do these immediately after your deadlifts on yep. deadlift day or put them on a separate day? Yep. Strip off two plates and start rowing. Yeah, right, yep. right, and right. I got right. that from Cone because Rob Wagner went out and saw Cone train. Yeah. And he did 700 for five on a plate with no belt. Yep. And he stripped off two plates and did a set of five with 495, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. I have pictures but of it. Uh, he might go over and do... No, and then uh, he would do his chins and all that. Yeah, chins with like, you know, uh, yeah. a 100-pound dumbbell strapped around his waist for reps or, you know, he had all kinds of... Uh, he was uh, like a power bodybuilder yeah. kind of a regimen, right? Yeah. Uh, but Ed would always, at his peak, before he lost his ability to sumo, you know, if he was in competition mode, he would work up to, a, I don't know, like maybe a three or a five, depending upon where he was in the periodized cycle, in the sumo. Mm -hmm. And he and he would reserve his sumo for like the last four to five weeks. I remember him saying that. And it's crazy, man, right? And he, all the rest of the time, he said, I, get my, I push my conventional deadlift up, push my conventional deadlift up. And I know wherever I can get my conventional deadlift to, I got 50 more in the sumo. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, okay. And he already had the technique down in the sumo, so it's okay. Man. And he said, he said, when I kept it in my hip pocket, it felt fresh to me. Yeah. Did you ever deadlift, JP? Was that part of your program? I did, but I didn't, you know, I, I didn't compete or anything like, like you guys did. And I, I really enjoyed, uh, I just so did conventional. A back day? Yeah, or sometimes, you know, way back, I would even come in, you know, on my day off and do deadlifts. Yeah. So. Now, now what, from what, work or what school? Work? Well, I mean, back then I was doing so much volume and stuff and I was doing, I was lifting, what, six days a week with one day off and I was so fired up back then I'd come in on the seventh day and do, do deadlifts. Yeah, you're, so, very, you're very lucky you didn't get uh, subjected to that uh, very hip and bodybuilding circles of standing on an exercise bench and doing the, mm. the, the, the bendy back yeah. spinal deadlifts yeah. Yeah. to get the scratch, to get the stretch, you need the stretch. Well, so when I was doing it, I was, uh, I was doing conventional and I was doing a reverse grip. 
Talk about uh, the pros and cons of reverse grip versus hook grip, because there's some real good uh, bits of information in there that can help, that can make you not only make you stronger, but prevent injury and things like yeah, that. Mixed grip versus hook. Yeah. yeah. Jim, Jim, take this for a minute. All right. Well, I mean, I, I like the hook grip in, in theory for the deadlift. Shortens it up. You're not going to have that one shoulder out of, you know, all screwed up as you do on the mixed grip. But once I got up to close to seven, I couldn't hold it. But then I would do the uh, over-under. I could hold anything. So right. yeah. um, I think if I gave it – you got to understand, I have zero patience with this kind of stuff. So if, if I would have given it some more time, I think I eventually would have liked the hook grip better. Because um, you know, when you get good at it, you can't lose your grip with that damn thing. You know? uh, I just never felt great about it. But I would, I would give everybody I trained two options. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're going to go double overhand for as long as you can. And then when you have to, you have your choice. I'll teach you to hook grip. I'll teach you to over under. And uh, we'll see which one works best for you. And if they just can't hang with the hook grip, then they'll, they'll, they'll go over under. Well, the best uh, deadlifter in history, Brad Gillingham, that's all he does. Oh, yeah. He didn't used to. He, he changed it after going to Europe. Right, Marty? <laughs> You know, now, all right, now, I don't know, you know, we should qualify that a bit. I don't know if we can call Brad the best deadlifter in history. You could call him the most consistent over 800-pound deadlifter. Yes, absolutely, yeah, okay. absolutely, right. without, yeah. I mean, but from all-time poundage, uh, I don't think, I don't think that's true. No. I don't think that's true. Uh, anyway, um, you know, Brad's a high-volume trainer like you, Jim. Right. I mean, you guys like, you guys both like a lot of movements, you know, I mean, you, you like the, your deadlift and you, you know, I mean, Brad's got all kinds of stuff going on with his back routine. Yeah. And it, and it obviously works for he and, and the guys he trains, you know, but why did, but Jim, uh, yeah. why did he make that switch? Why did he switch? I thought he went there with marty to the ipf oh board. oh marty you mean you around. mean his his hook grip thing well first yeah, off he oh first off he has the hands for it yeah, he, huge he's got like well you do too jp he's got like monster hands and it's like oh you know i could do the hook grip you know but he's like what six six yeah and, and he's and a giant it, and, yeah and again it's like like me when i if i go to the hook grip it's gonna rip my thumbs out of the socket right <laughs> right because i'm just a normal human <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, I mean, there's some pain involved for a normal person switching over to the hook grip. I mean, particularly if you want to get into some serious deadlift weight, yeah. uh, it will put a torque on your thumb joint, brother. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let me tell you. Uh, and it's just not, hey, you know, I think I'll use the hook grip. It's like, uh, you might want to work into that a little bit there, buddy. What? But yeah. the over under grip, anybody can do that i'm thinking that's going to increase your gripping power right there 25 to 30 percent yeah stop right. twisting into your hand that's all and you just i leave my strong hand over i put my weak hand under and i just deadlift that way it's no big deal i've never had any injuries or problem all these people say well yeah if you do that it's gonna you know you're gonna end up and i don't know man you I can tear your bicep i mean i've seen a lot of different videos yeah, if you keep if you keep if you keep a kink in it when you're deadlifting you're supposed yeah. to let your arms go straight. You're not supposed to have right. any tension yeah. in your bicep. And that's oh, why guys do it when they when they flip the tire, because their arms are bent like that. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. explosively. Yes. Oh, strong man is injury central. Yeah, it's bicep tear central. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, Brad, I think, so I was there for all these conversations because Brad had just pulled 850 or something. So Rob Wagner was my boss at 10. <laughs> would call Brad at eight o'clock at night. And after the kids would leave, Wagner and I would just sit around talking about powerlifting for hours. Oh, it's great. And, and uh, he said, I'm going to do the hook grip. So Brad advised him, you strap up for one, for one set, you go hook the next. Strap up, hook, just to get used to it. And then you start slowly eliminating the strap part mm. and staying with the hook. And that's what he did. And I think Wagner pulled 672 at 181. Yeah. And, and Rob's a, a, you know, normal kind of a guy. I mean, he's, yeah, he's what, 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, yeah. So for him. Generously. Yeah, generously. And for him, hooking made a big difference. Yeah. Right. I couldn't imagine holding on to 800 pounds with a hook grip, though. Those Europeans do it. They've been doing the hook grip because they started off Olympic lifting, you know? Yeah. Anyway. What about, what about grip width? Do you ever change that? Uh, mine's mm -hmm. always right outside my thighs. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, in the conventional. And then, you know, I don't see much use in a sumo to ever, or in anything you do to touch the smooth. So no, just like, where do, your, where, do your where do your arms hang? Right. Well, it's just like the, the okay, reason I ask is... Let me just finish my... Let me finish right, Go ahead, because I want to ask you something. Go ahead. It's like, whether it's conventional grip or sumo, where do your arms hang? Now, either push your arms inside that or put your arms outside that. Okay? That's the core. If you put your arms barely outside that grip, you're going to have the gorilla stance that, that Jim and Cone use. If you want to go ultra wide with your hands in that position, you don't want to, if you push your hands ridiculously inward or ridiculously yeah. outward, it, it, it weakens your grip. Yeah your hands directly under you, that's your strongest possible grip. That's where you get four fingers and a thumb around the bar. And it's right under you, and it's right under you, and you got it, and particularly with an over-under grip. Now, yeah, you can hook, use a double over grip. I use straps when I deadlift. It's like, I, I've never had an issue with my grip. I don't worry about it. So I throw on straps and turn a three into a five. You know what I mean? I just, that's my thing. Yeah, it's good. But you're not using them every single time. I use them every single time I do back. Yeah. Yeah, but, but when I deadlift. When I saw you training Chuck Miller, though, you would have him do like his, an extra set with straps or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, Chuck's a, that's like, he's a yellow school bus kind of guy. You know, you got to. <laughs> <laughs> the yellow school bus. bus, not yellow. No, but listen, the reason I asked you about changing up the width, and I know it's nothing drastic if you changed it at all, but because that's what we do on the bench when we're doing different variations yes, of the yeah, bench. Yeah, 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 but not on the deadlift, you should think of your stance width. Okay. As it is equating to your grip width in the bench. If you want to experiment in deadlifting, what you talk about, you know, man, you know how you experiment with your different grip widths on the bench? When you take it to the deadlift, think of it as, I'm going to use different stance widths. Yeah, because in the bench, you're changing the grip to shore up weak points. 
And in the deadlift, you're changing stance width to show up weak points. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I wanted. That's the information I was after. So that's yeah. perfect. And also, stop playing to your strengths. Occasionally attack your weaknesses. Yeah. You, you, right. you know, everybody – and the problem with continually playing to your strengths is you tend to ingrain bad habits. And so if you kind of get outside of that a little bit, and by that, I mean, if you're always a conventional deadlifter, you have to look at if your shoulders are in front of the bar, whether you're conventional or sumo, you, you've got to correct that. You, you, if your shoulders are in front of the bar when you deadlift, you have to use your spinal column as a crane at the finish. And we want to avoid that. And the way we avoid that is at launch, whether it's conventional deadlift or sumo deadlift, our shoulders are directly over the bar, right? Hopefully our shins are near vertical, right? Because that will enhance the straight line pull. Because again, <clears throat> the goal in the deadlift is the straight line pull to right past the knees. At that point, we can pull it back and into us, which makes it easier. And we do that on all the reps. And we use the slowed lowering that Dan Austin was talking about and that Jim was talking about. And as it gets closer to the surface, it's like slow, slower, slowest, and then boom, you know, you're loaded in your reverse direction. And that's how you build massive, a massive deadlift and massive back muscles. That's, that's type of deadlifting is the great, that's make deadlifting the greatest back exercise period. Right. It's incredible. If it's done that way, yeah. right? But throw away the negative and have the shoulders no. in front of the bar and jerk the bar and stand on a, you know, a padded exercise bench with way more than you should be and you know, doing <clears throat> bendy, spiny, stretchy, stretch the spinal column things. And yeah. you're, you're looking to, that's, you know, you're looking for injury. Yeah, the biggest uh, mistakes I've seen, especially with beginners, and I've taught a zillion of them, is once the weight gets heavy is they stop worrying about taking a slack out of the bar, and they think that by bending their elbows and jerking the weight off the ground, yep. something. don't they do that? Oh, my God. And so you got to say, treat it like it was 135. But, you know, the, the, if you can get somebody to learn to take that slack out, so, you know, uh, I don't know how you describe it, Marty. It's it's pull. It's if it's a bar weighs three fifteen, you're putting three hundred fourteen yeah. pounds of pressure on the bar, right, 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 before right. it even leaves the ground. And if you do it with light enough weight, the bar will leave the ground, right? Yeah. You're warming up if you do it right, and you're sitting back and you take that slack out. You know what you want is you want to listen when you're coaching somebody, and if you hear that bar, if you hear any slack when they pull, they're not taking a slack out like this. no, right? they're jerking it. It should be seamless. It should no. happen. You don't even hear it. it should, when because, you see it, because you're so strong, you can just manhandle this weight right on off the damn floor and up we go. I right. see a lot of that. Guys are just, too, right? like yeah. we've talked about before, guys are just running up to the bar and just slamming it up, man. But you, no got, and, and you And you have to drop it to draw attention to yourself. Wow, four plates on each side. Look at me. Yeah, but I mean, I, that's just a back injury waiting to happen, man. That, <laughs> yeah. You, the, I, I watched you guys teach this technique in uh, Virginia Beach and yeah. taking the slack out. It was just beautiful how you guys uh, 
how you guys taught that. And it just makes total sense. I mean, you're really going to help prevent injury by doing that. You don't need to run up to it and slam it up. You're just going to throw your disc out like Jim did. Yeah. I was training my buddy, Larry. Uh, he was the financial guy at Penn and, and, uh, I was teaching him how to deadlift and I taught him and the lightweight was, he was great. You know, back was flat and all that. And then he did a couple reps and he rounded and, then, and lost the slack. And I would go, Ooh, ah, Oh, and he'd say, <laughs> you know, I'm getting, I'm getting. he said, I'm sort of getting the hint that whenever you do that noise, I've done something wrong and I should stop. Right. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you know, when you see it, Oh man, it's ugly. Right. Like, uh, yeah, right? It. yeah. Makes I my back hurt. I can't take it. Yeah. Jim, talk about the hex bar. Now, did you guys use uh, hex bars at uh, Penn? Only if the – so it's more like a squat. So uh, I would try to do deadlift derivatives like a rack or like a uh, weight on the blocks, like we had mm. the pulling blocks um, yeah. that Olympic lifters use. So that's a little lower than, than a rack would be before I would go to a hex bar because it's not the same. You know, it's – I would always – try to give them like a supported row or something like that. If they couldn't really deadlift before I would go to the hex bar. Um, and then, you know, if a guy couldn't squat and he couldn't safety squat, so no spinal compression or spinal loading, that's when I would use more of the hex bar. The problem with the hex bar is there's a lot of movement when you're standing in there, that weight is moving around. The bar is moving. Everybody whoa, thinks it's sick. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, that's what I get from the hex bar. It's like, whoa, four yes. Whoa, yes. whoa. Yeah. So it was more of a squat thing. Did I ever do it with a kid who couldn't? Yes, but I would rather them do some type of rowing or heavy chin or something. Uh, but then, yeah, for squatting, if they couldn't spinal compress, then we would do the do the, uh, do the the hex bar. It, it'll burn the heck out of your quads. The problem is you're not going low enough to get your hamstrings at the bottom and all that stuff too. But so it's, to me, it's more of an assistance lift when somebody's hurt. Yeah, exactly. I love the neutral grip on there. It's just, you know, you got the neutral grip by your, by your side. You don't have the weight out in front of you. So it's easier on your back a little bit, but like you said, it's uh, it makes a good accessory exercise. I mean, you're not going to dedicate your whole deadlifting program or anything just to that. Right. Um, yeah, besides yeah. bent over rows, as far as, make, you know, for your deadlift, uh, any type of really heavy pulls. I just liked, when I was trying to get my deadlift to go up, I wanted the bar, the actual bar in my hands more. So if I was benching, it was going to be close grips and inclines and, and stay away from the dumbbells. If it was deadlift, it was going to be bent over rows. You know, sometimes a one-arm row, but it just, now the bar's out of my hands, man. You know, I mean, if your body building is different, but if, I always thought, like, if I was trying to, you know deadlift with i'm going to use everything i'm going to use the bar all the time because that's what i'm competing with now whether that's right or wrong and it does have some carryover and especially with me because that's the way i what i thought worked you know yeah yeah well what we our strategy was we would um we would start a back session with power planes great right because we want the central nervous system fresh right fired up yeah, and you just want to walk in and say, hey, uh, <clears throat> all we got to do today is doubles. Yeah. What could be easier? Snappy, snappy, snappy doubles. When the snap runs out, you're done. That's okay. Right. And then at that point, you put some more plates in the bar and we start our deadlift. And, yeah, we, work, and, we, work, and we work up to that 
three rep or that five rep or on the plate or off the plate, whatever we're doing. And then you're done. And then if you have any more gas, well, yeah, do some of Jim's rows or some of Ed's chins or, you know, whatever. But that's dessert. You've already eaten your main entree. You've already eaten the meat and potatoes, you know? And um, again, I think that that's uh, a good strategy and, and, and move up, move up, move up the power clean and move up the deadlift each week. Right. Like the power clean is a little bit, low, a warm up for almost everything. You know, they did that study where they had uh, guys just do stretching. Then they had guys do like a dynamic warm up or they had guys do power cleans. Right. And then vertical jump directly after. (laughs) <laughs> the guys with power cleans, their vertical jumps were higher. Yeah. Yeah, they went up more. So and, and and interesting, Jimmy, is in the power cleans, you purposely keep your shoulders forward. You look at the first page of Tommy Kono's book, yeah, and he shows the curved spine. So yeah. when your power cleans, you purposely curve the spine, bend forward get those shoulders well in front of that payload. And as you're pulling that weight up, when it passes the knees, you jam those hips forward and, you know, bang that weight up. And, you know, and you only got to do two of those. And it is just the perfect stimulation to start the whole workout. It excites your whole central nervous system, parasympathetic, sympathetic, all of that, you know, right? When we tested the vertical, I'd set up the cleans, and it can't be heavy. You know, it can't be a slow pull. You know, it's and that's no. And, and but they do. They my kids would do a couple couple reps, couple a couple doubles, go vertical jump, couple doubles, go vertical jump. Then we go to a single when they started getting to their, you know, just put a and, on, do a single, go right away. Yeah, and it can't be a damn upright row with no. a reverse curl you like you like you would do, JP, back in the day, right? An upright row with a reverse curl at the top with what two twenty five. Hey, how's my how's my power clean? Oh, that's good, Shrek. Thank you. I wish, right? You got nicknames. You got Grumpy Shrek and what was I, Big Ben? <laughs> no, I changed that to uh, Tasmanian Devil. I like it. I like that better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we missed anything we've covered a lot of yeah yeah yeah. let's talk about uh, we never talk about stretching so i'm curious if you guys would ever stretch after a good uh, deadlift workout a squat workout whatever no i never stretch ever next Uh, ever no um before i lifted never and then i would After, after i lifted never you don't you don't yeah. want to stretch before, right? I would drink a beer after. Yeah. After, yeah. But, but wait a minute, you just you just touched on something. You okay. you never want to stretch before, right? You don't want to stretch a cold muscle. Output. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a waste of time. If I was going to deadlift seven hundred or six hundred, whatever that day, man, I'm going to do a lot of warm ups of the lift I'm getting ready to do. I'm going to yes. do. Right. I'm going to do two twenty five, and even if yes. I started at two forty five, it's still five yes. before I get there technically ingrained what it is that we're about to do yeah i mean you know i always think of it as a slinky man you, you stretch that slinky out it doesn't snap back no uh, we're not going to waste our time doing uh you know jumping jacks or what uh hurdler stretches 
So then yeah, we, we would say, we would think of stretching as more of a bodybuilding thing because you want to stretch that fascia out to increase the muscle size. Well, I think it's the weighted stretching that does that. That's the one research. I think Perillo may have been involved in that. But um, it was all that, that that stretching, like with a heavier dumbbell after your set. Like if you're doing mm -hmm. a curl, then you hold it in the locked out position. Um, you know, our, our my, my whole thing about stretching is like, if I couldn't get down to do a sumo deadlift, I would stretch. But if I can get down to where I need to be, why would I want to be looser in the bottom? Well, yeah. also, also we champion full range of motion. I challenge anybody, when you go down to the depth that, that we recommend, just come and erect. It's hard because you're, you are literally down as far as you can go and we're making it maximally difficult for you to arise. Right. That's our goal. And again, and whether we do that in the squat or the deadlift or the bench press, we purposefully disadvantage you in order to make you stronger. And it's, it's a really elemental concept, but it's an effective one. Yeah. What about... All right, this is the last question. What about uh, <laughs> decompression techniques? Like, you know, to, to, to expand that spine, to take the pressure off the discs. Yeah, if that. anything, Jim was probably more into that, if, if anything, because mm -hmm. of the issues you had with your back. But did you guys do that at all, Jim? Uh, our kids would hang, like my athletes would hang from the chin-up bar. They, I got this from yeah. Apple. So yeah. you go down as far, you know, hang as far as you can and pull yourself up an inch or two, hold yeah. it there. And then slowly relax and think about your vertebrae just separating. Now, right, right. some kids love that. Some kids say, oh, it makes my back feel great. Backs are so individual. Some kids will be like, well, I'm not doing that. I said, don't do it. It's like reverse hypers. I hate them. They make yeah. me feel like getting surgery again. So yeah. people care by it. You know what I mean? Um, I tried the inversion table for my back. Screwed me up. So, you know, it's like you got some things that are they're sort of where, they, where they're meant to be. And by doing that, you, you take a chance. But some people love it. It's very, I think it's very individual. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I had one that was the, um, it wasn't an inversion table, but it was the one where it almost looks like a hyperextension. So you get in it and you turn yourself upside down. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it was... It was after, it was right after, and when my back blew out the first time, I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting at my at my desk early right. one morning, and I heard something pop. Remember, you said you swear you, other people would hear your back pop, and yeah. I wasn't. And that's what scares me about the back sometimes is it's this weird stuff that can just you know just break you. I wasn't doing anything. I was just sitting here, so I go, okay, I'm gonna go upstairs. And I'm gonna get in this uh, inversion thing, and you know, maybe something popped out of place or whatever. I get in that thing and then my back is just balling up. I couldn't move. I, I was stuck upside down. I had oh, I was screaming and crying for my wife to come rescue me. I was, uh, I was out of my mind, but I had to go to the hospital after that. Jeez, was, man. Yeah. So be careful when you did, like Jim said, uh, decompression is an individual thing. Obviously it wasn't for me. When I got seized up, I would always go get a deep tissue massage and next day feel great. Yeah. No. Anyway. All right. I've never had any injuries. I know, man. You're just a freak of nature. Yep. Me and Keith Richard and Sharon. Because you, 
Well, how could you get injuries if you've uh, been sure. pent up in the house for 30 years? You know? Uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Call before you come by. The, uh, the quarantine professional. Yeah, the only thing that upset me is my gym wasn't open. You know, I was like, really, nothing's changing. <laughs> I still haven't gone back. You know, I've been I've been training with bot. Well, I have some stuff on the backyard, kettlebells and some bars and stuff. But primarily, I'm doing body weight, man, and I'm just killing it. I mean, good, good for you. I've even I've even added uh, some some size and strength. Believe it or not. Wow. Just, and I feel that's, great. That's cool. That's cool. My, yeah. That's, no, my shoulders really are good. Cool. Good, that's cool. Well, you got to make lemonade, right? Yeah, you're like uh, being sentenced to Devil's Island. But, but a lot of it is using the techniques that I've learned from you guys, you know, doing yeah, different indeed. things with the yeah. rep speed, and especially when you're doing body weight. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be very light. You're not using any resistance weight, so you have to figure out ways to make your own body weight heavier. You know? yeah. Really slowing down the, the rep you know speed, they, using grind like speed. A, you're doing like a forced rehab almost, man. It's going to be great for you when you go back to the gym. I know, and I don't, I don't even know when I'm going to get back because everything's like shutting down again. So this is, uh, this is not good. So anyway. All right, so that about wraps it up for deadlift. But uh, it's very I think, helpful. I think, we only, I think we covered everything. I yeah. mean, yeah. If anybody has any more questions about the deadlift, certainly hit us up on Instagram or something because uh, we might have missed one or two things, but I don't know what, but uh, there's always that chance. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up. All right. Check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. You can also pick up one of his books. He's got Purposeful Primitive. He's got Strong Medicine. All that's at Iron Company. Um, for now, Jim and uh, Marty, they're also doing uh, remote training that you guys have been doing Dude. for years. You're yep. taking care of people all over the world. Uh, you're taking care of uh, elite tier one spec ops guys, athletes, everybody. So you guys are doing some, some high-end people uh, no matter where they are in the world. So if you guys need any online assistance, you know, yeah. if you've got a phone, uh, yeah. if you got a nice iPhone or whatever, that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all you need. Well, and everybody, you know, and we talk about, I was, this sort of came to me the other day again, but everybody needs a coach and, and, or everybody needs somebody to say, Hey man, watch my squatter. Hey man, what do you think about this type of volume or whatever? And yeah. we're talking about this, the tier one guys, guy that Marty and I have both trained was like, ah, oh, bro, my, you know, they jump out of planes all the time. So their shoulders are all messed up and, you know, I don't know. I just can't get my max that I got a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, yeah, because here's what I need you to do. We're going to do yeah. some dumbbell work. We're going to limit yeah. that motion. We're going to yes. go a little higher. You know, and he's yeah. like, oh, well, this guy's an experienced lifter, but he needed permission to do that. First of all, for me to tell him he's not a wussy that it's necessary, right? And you just need you need that communication, man. That's why you're a coach. That's why you need that. And also, I um, assume this is Roy from Blue. Yes. Uh, the same individual had um, some uh, ankle injuries related to parachute jumping mm -hmm. and had given up on full range of motion and over time, over time, over time, over time, we used his 
we used progressive resistance training, squatting, but very, very gently, very lightly. And we got him back. We, we completely gave him back the range of motion that he had given up on. He said, well, I'm, you know, I'll never get that back again. And that was such a cool thing to be able to yes. do. And what did we do? The same thing we do. JP is kind of the same thing we're recommending that you do with your um, meniscus tear. Yeah. Right. You just, I don't know. You just, what Jimmy, you just put, you, even if you don't have any weight, you just kind of squat down to that wherever the pain stops you and you do, well, all right, I'm going to do five or six reps here where the pain stops me. And then over time and with consistency that increases, that descends, right. And you break through, but that's what it takes to take consistency. And it takes somebody looking over your shoulder That's right. for everybody. Yeah. And again, it's, um, it's what we do. Uh, for us, it's like falling off a log. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it is. It's so easy for us to get prog progress <laughs> for people. It really is. And it's not, it's not harsh. It's not, uh, you know, perf you know, you, you shall be perfect. <laughs> so Marty and Jim, if, if, if somebody wants to get a hold of you on this, uh, if they want remote training, just email Marty at ironcompany.com or Jim at ironcompany.com. They'll take yep. good care of you. Yep. Uh, yep. if you need equipment, if you're working out in your garage gym, your home gym, your backyard, you need bumpers, bars, mats, bands, anything, go to ironcompany.com. We've got all that stuff and more. Uh, we'll take good care of you. And finally, we've got Jim Steele articles rolling in. Let's see, Jim, we ought to have one put back up uh, here in about two weeks. What, what, what is the latest? This is going to be, well, my new training partner is my 13-year-old son. Uh, yeah. It's all about the etiquette of the what I've had to teach him and what I've learned and how to do things in the weight room and um, you know, the lifestyle of lifting and what's important, all that stuff. Cool. Tell him not to put towels all over the, the gym. <laughs> right? no, no towels. <laughs> one, one towel limit and it goes in your damn gym bag. Now he keeps watching these guys that are lifting today. I'm like, rewind, man, go back to Kirk. Kirk. But the problem cool. is all those, all these kids have to have HD and all this and that. If you would look at our old films of Kirk, you know, it's, it's not clear. Oh. Like the other guys, so they're like, when is this, the 40s? I'm like, no, man. It's the, 40s, <laughs> the 40s, yeah. Uh, pull, up, uh, uh, pull up some Anatoly Pisarenko right. and some uh, Yuri Zakharevich. Okay. They're Olympic the, guys. Yeah, Olympic guys. But these are like stud yeah. Russian at the peak dudes and Pisarenko at his peak. Well, I tell you, you know, the most that was ever cleaned and jerked with a human is off the top of my brain, I believe 588. Jeez. And that was by Taranenko. But well, Pisarenko... Well, I don't want to get on. No, no, they, they never exceeded it. No wow. one's ever exceeded it. And guess who was right behind Taranenko? One kilo behind Pisarenko. And so Pisarenko put overhead, whatever, uh, but he only weighed 270, right? He was like 5'11 and 270. So pull him up because he is just a super, superman looking dude. <laughs> yeah. My eight-year-old is training. I said, uh, 
I thought he was going to go in his brother's room and cause trouble the other night. Oh. I said, are you going to James's room? And he said, Dad, because we have a mirror at the end of the hall. He said, Dad, I'm not causing trouble. I'm flexing. <laughs> I love it. Bug already, man. <laughs> Take, my nice. Take my lats. I got. I found my lats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they know how to do all the poses. Arnold three quarter. Yeah, everything. Yeah, I love it. that's I love cool. It. All right, you, you can also go to uh, Bass Barbell. That's with one S. BassBarbell.com. Jim's got uh, all kinds of hijinks and stories and advice and. Uh, mayhem and uh, you're not still every- you're not still hanging out with Chuck, are you? I haven't seen Chuck in a while. Okay, good. He is my good friend, though. <laughs> That's a bad combination, right there. All right, listen. Th- this is the longest uh, string of plugs <laughs> I've ever heard in my my whole life. Here, no, that was a great one. That was great. Yeah, good one, guys. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Talk All to right. you next week. Adios. Bye.